Good, good day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise Yah. We are beginning. Hallelujah. Um, we are in our second part of Yahuwah's Kingdom Preparations. As I said before, I'm going to be looking at scriptures from the writings that were before Yahushua Messiah came to earth. So this is an examination of the Old Testament writings between Genesis and Malachi. Of course, we're not going to touch all of those, but I am going to start in um, the books of Moses because I think one of the things that I really want to make sure that we become aware of is who our mighty one, Yahuwah, is as revealed in the scriptures. Now, I know some of my um, Christian friends express that those of us who believe in uh, Torah, we believe and we quote too much from the Old Testament is what I've been told, right? But my um, contention is you cannot really understand the New Testament. You cannot really understand who Yahuwah is. You cannot understand that he is faithful, that his word endures forever, that he can be trusted, and that he has a long-range plan if you do not read and are not familiar with those things that are in written in the scriptures prior to Yahushua coming. For instance, how will you know who Abraham is when it, he is mentioned if you haven't read about Abraham? How will you know who Adam is? How will you know that he is faithful to do what he has promised if you haven't read about his promises? So part of what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend some time saying, let's look at what Yahuwah was doing with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Israel. And also let's look at what Yahuwah was doing when he was allowing humanity to increase on the earth. And let's look at his patience in terms of when he decided to intervene. And let's look at how, when he decided that he wanted to intervene, how he did that. Sometimes he did it using other um, human kingdoms. Sometimes he did it using um, the hornets, right? He sent angels down. He did fire. He, he used a me different means. So these are the things that we'll be looking at. So the purpose of this teaching, again, is not to reveal any hidden meaning or to definitively explain any secret timelines. That's not my purpose. The purpose is to show that the kingdom message of the kingdom of Yahuwah, of the kingdom of Yahusha, of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of our father, in the end, is throughout scripture, that it was a, a plan of Yahuwah from the very beginning. And it has been the plan that he's been building on over time. It's the plan that he had in existence when he first called Abraham and told Abraham before he ever had a child that his seed would multiply, would be more than the stars, and that through Abraham's seed, all the nations and families of the earth would be blessed. This is the plan that Yahuwah was working on from the beginning. It's the plan that he's working on now. It's the plan that will be fulfilled in the end times. It is what we are hoping for. So that 
is my purpose, that throughout the Bible, including in all the books written before Yahushua came, that this plan, this purpose, this gospel message has been there for us. Um, only Yahuwah determines the times, as I've said, and he determines only when he will unfold certain parts of his plan. Right. So we, as humble servants, we can watch as Yahushua told us to watch, but we don't have to concern ourselves as to where we are in the time. We just need to be concerned about that we are aware that Yahuwah exists, that he has called us, that he's given us his spirit, and that he has instructed us as to how we should live on this earth, right? And we are to do our best to be the best servants of Yahuwah that we can possibly be. That is what we are called to do, right? Yeah. Yahuwah knows and determines the time. So again, I'm giving you Matthew 24, 36. Um, Yahushua said, but that day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. And then in Acts, after he was resurrected, um, and his disciples still had the questions that many of us may have, when, 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 he just told them again, um, the times and the seasons the father has put in his own power. So I'm just reminding us of that. So Yahuwah's plan at first kingdom on earth began before the foundation of the, of the earth. I've said that over and over again. So Yahushua said that. I think in the next session, I'll probably give you the exact scripture on that. Um, Adam and Eve was given dominion over the earth. And we read through that and we don't think much of it. And, you know, we don't know how things would have unfolded if they had not um, disobeyed uh, Yah's instructions to them. But they were given dominion over the earth. And it was male and female, both of them, right? Given dominion over the earth. Adam and Eve disobeyed Yahuwah, and as a result of that disobedience, they were removed from the garden, right? They were removed from having access to the tree of life, and maybe they gave up some of their dominion. Um, Yahuwah, when they removed them, I, I say they lost dominion. Uh, when we read in the New Testament, we find that uh, Yahushua came, and as a result of his overcoming, he was able to sit down on the throne uh, with the Father and, and to be ruling. And so uh, it seems to me that when he came the first time, he didn't come to do all that was prophesied for him to do, right? He was not um, a rod of iron and ruling, you know, ruling with a rod of iron. He didn't put down all the kingdoms at that time. But he came down and spiritually overcame, right? He spiritually overcame so that he could go back and sit down um, beside the Father on the throne and then come back in great power and glory and rule and reign physically when the Father says it's time. The establishment endurance of Yahuwah's world-ruling kingdom was prophesied, I say, from Genesis to Malachi. So that's what we're going to look at. So in Genesis 1, uh, 26 and following, but in Genesis 1, 26 and 28, uh, it is said uh, that uh, Elohim said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them that is male and female, then have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
And then in 128, it said, And lo, he blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So dominion was part of what they had. Now, I'm not going to read these verses, but beginning in Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 6, I'm just going to summarize, right? We all know that story of the serpent coming along and basically giving a half-truth. And I always like to point this out when I'm talking to people because, to me, the evil one is up to the same tricks today, right? Giving half-truths. Did Yahuwah say this? Oh, but you can do something differently and it'll be okay. Or you don't have to do what Yahuwah said. So that was what he said to Eve and Adam. Um, he probably heard the exact conversation that maybe Yah had with them. And they were told that they could eat from all the trees in the garden except the tree of the knowledge and good and evil. And he came along and said, did he say you couldn't eat from the trees in the garden? And then, of course, Eve uh, corrected and said, no, he said, you can't eat from this particular tree. And if we do eat, we will die. And then he said, you won't die. You'll be like him, knowing good from evil, so on and so forth. And Eve did what many people do today, what maybe some of us used to do. We listen and we decide that we're going to agree. Rather than listen to Yahuwah, trust Yahuwah, obey Yahuwah, be faithful to Yahuwah and his ways and his words, we, we decide to listen to something else, maybe take some other action. That's what humans do right now, right? You don't have to observe the Sabbath day. Forget that. You know, it's been replaced with Sunday. Okay, makes good sense. Let's go along with that, right? But that's just an example. There's so many other things, right? You can, you, we have clear instructions in Yahuwah's word as to what he tells us for our good, because that's the thing that we should remember, right? His word says that he will not withhold any good thing from us. So the things that he's given us instructions concerning, he's given us those constructions, instructions for our good because he loves us, right? He desires that we live that abundant life that Yahushua came that we may have, right? That he came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So that is the truth. But the serpent um, told them half-truths and part lies. And so, um, and it was partly part uh, true, right? They didn't die immediately. They did die eventually of physical death. Um, and, and of course, they didn't know what they would be giving up. Um, they didn't know that they would maybe not have access anymore to the tree of life. But they gave up something by listening to the serpent as opposed to listening to Yahuwah. So my encouragement to all of us, those of us who are believers, as well as those who may come to be believers, that read Yahuwah's words, which are true, believe his words, and do not allow the enemies, the power of darkness that we've been delivered from that I told you about last time, don't allow those powers to, to um, hold us any longer. You know, let's be in light and let's obey Yahuwah. So in in giving the curses to Adam and Eve, we all know what they were. I'm just going to look at Genesis 3.13 and 15. It says, And Yahuwah Almighty said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. 
So we can, you know, we have our excuses as to why we do what we do. But in this case, Yahuwah said, I will put enmity between thee, uh, speaking to the servant, serpent and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. So a lot of people take this to mean the first mention of Yahusha coming, right? That Yahusha being the seed of the woman that would be crushing the head of Satan. So this is a, a prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah and our Savior and what he would do in terms of overcoming the forces of the evil one. I, I've, I've said in, in, in keeping with this concept of uh, kingdom, right? If we think in terms of dominion, if we think in terms of rule, I've said that Genesis 3.15, and you may or may not agree with me, but Genesis 3.15, when it talks about um, the woman's seed bruising the head of the serpent, I have thought about that in terms of Yahusha breaking the power of the serpent's rulership, right? Breaking that power. And as I said, becoming worthy to sit at the throne. Again, sitting on a throne being something that kings do, leaders do, rulers do. You rule from thrones. So they were denied the, the existence or the right to the tree of life. And Yahuwah said in Genesis 3.22, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, and now least he put forth his hand and take off tree of life and eat and live forever that he was going to drive them out of the garden of Eden. So that was what they lost access to that tree of life. But of course we see that tree of life being available to humans again in Revelations, right? So that's what, what we're looking to have is access to that tree of life again. And we, of course, the redeemed by the blood of the lamb, we are looking for eternal life made possible through Yahuwah. So I'm going to go through this kind of quickly, but what happens is we end up with Adam and Eve having sons, Cain and Abel. We know the story of Cain uh, killing Abel. So with that disobedience came in sin, came in the powers of darkness. And uh, eventually Seth was born. And it says in Genesis 4, 26, that when Seth was born, um, that man began to call upon the name of Yahuwah. So we have this situation going with human history is that we have um, sin being introduced in the world and we have those that are um, not in line with Yahuwah doing those things that would be what the kingdom of darkness would do, the leader of the kingdom of darkness would do. And uh, Yahusha, um, not having come yet, but uh, already prophesied to come, hasn't um, redeemed them yet, but you do have people in faith, having faith in Yahuwah and calling upon the name of Yahuwah. So that's what we're told that in times of uh, Seth that um, people began to call on the name of Yahuwah. Wickedness uh, occurred on the earth and it got to be so great that Yahuwah decided that he would destroy man, but he had called Noah and Noah was considered to be a righteous man. Another one, another one who was living in accordance with Yahuwah's uh, pleasure, right? He was pleased with him. And it says in Genesis 4, 6, 8, 
Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahuwah. Grace, favor. So for all those people who think that grace is just a New Testament idea, no, grace has been there from the beginning. Yahuwah had, has um, been a gracious, mighty one from the beginning. And he showed grace to Noah and Noah's family when he allowed them and only them to escape from the flood. And so what do we see? We see that Yahuwah allowed sin to multiply and he decided enough is enough. And in the time of Noah, he used what? Rain, rain 40 days, 40 nights, flood waters came up and all um, that was on the earth that were not in the ark with Noah, all the animals, all the humans who weren't in the ark with Noah, you were destroyed. That was according to Yahuwah's timing and his decision that I want to step in. So again, Yahuwah is gracious, he is merciful, he is patient, but when he decides to act, he acts. And so that's a part of what I want us to be seeing as we're looking at these things, that Yahuwah determines when he does things and he does things in accordance with his, his ways and his purpose. And sometimes humans don't quite understand why. Right? You don't understand why and what's going on. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but Yahuwah knows. And so that's our faith. Our faith is that Yahuwah knows. Yahuwah is in control and Yahuwah is doing what Yahuwah needs and wants to do. And again, Yahuwah's kingdom preparation. He's moving everything toward what has been prophesied. And when he is going to be king and ruling over all, and that all humans big and small, young and old, short and tall, we're all going to be worshiping him, bowing before him, being his servants, and he's going to be dwelling with us. Amen. So Noah did what Yahuwah um, required, and so they were saved. And then if you look in Genesis 9, after the flood, uh, Noah, when the, he and his sons and their wives came out, um, Yahuwah said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He did not repeat and have dominion anymore, right? But he told him to be fruitful and multiply and to replenish the earth. So we end up with history going on, history going on, history going on. Now, in, in time, we end up with what? We end up with Nimrod coming on. Nimrod, right? Nimrod. And it is recorded in Genesis 10, 8. It says, and Cush begot Nimrod. So Cush was one of uh, Noah's sons. And he be began to be a mighty one in the earth. And he was a mighty hunter before Yahuwah. Now, I think um, some people have interpreted that to say against Yahuwah. Like maybe... Nimrod was a ruler against Yahuwah. Whatever the case, Yahuwah was a, you know, Nimrod was a kingdom builder, we'll say. It said he had kingdoms were at Babel and Erech and Akkad and so some other places in the land of Shinar. And so we end up with these human kingdoms coming about. And Yahuwah is allowing it, right? He's allowing it. Even if they are kings that are not um, worshiping and serving him, he is allowing this. He is allowing this. And in the days of uh, the Tower of Babel, we know the story about the people deciding that they're going to you know, be one and build a tower up into the sky, making their decisions as to what they want to do. And, of course, in our day, we have what? Rovers. We 
claim we've sent to Mars, right? And uh, people are talking about exploring out of space and all of this. So Yahuwah will decide when Yahuwah wants to intervene in the way that he wants to. But this is an example of what he did in the time of uh, the Tower of Babel. He, he scattered everybody around the faces of the earth. So we have that recorded for us to know that, you know, he will intervene. Now, we, we come down to the time when Yahuwah calls Abraham, right? He calls Abram. He tells Abram, uh, it's recorded in Genesis 12, 1, Yahuwah said to Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee and and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is recorded. This is before Abraham ever had a child. So how is it that all the families of the earth are going to be blessed? I say that's a kingdom. That's a kingdom prophecy. That's a kingdom prophecy. He told Abraham, it's recorded in Genesis 13, he says, um, all the land that you see, I will give to thy seed forever, forever, eternity, right, forever. And he, I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. He told Abraham to arise and walk the length of the land. So Yahuwah has a plan. He's working it out. He's calling things into existence before they actually occur. Because what? He can do that. He can do that. So we read then that um, Gentile kingdoms came up. Just in terms of Genesis 14, we read about the different Gentile kingdoms uh, going to war. And at the time, we have the Melchizedek king of Salem coming along. And what Melchizedek says, uh, he says to Abram, blessed be Abraham of the most high um, almighty or El Elohim, who is the possessor of heaven and earth. So Melchizedek understood that Yahuwah existed and that he was most high and that he was possessor of earth. And he said that the most high had given other kings into the hands of Abraham. He said, blessed be the most high, which hath delivered thine enemies unto thy hand. And he gave them, um, and then uh, Melchizedek was given a tithe. But the idea is that we see here that in this case, Yahuwah used what? A human army led by Abraham to do his bidding, right? So again, he can use the elements, he can use Gentile kings, he can use those that he calls, he can use angels. However Yahuwah decides to intervene, he can do that. Speaking to Abraham again in Genesis 15, 5, he told Abraham, look now toward the heaven and tell the, the stars if thou art able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. So again, Yahuwah is speaking things into existence. 
Now in Genesis 15, we Yahuwah is foretelling, even again, before Abraham has had a child, he is foretelling what? That the descendants of Abraham would be taken into Egypt or into a land. He doesn't say Egypt per se, but he says into a land. He said unto Abraham, know of a surety, this is Genesis 15, 13, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they serve will I judge and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. So this is foretelling what would happen centuries before it happened, right? Centuries, because Yahuwah can do that. He knows the beginning from the end. He has a plan. He's working it out for, for us here below. He has kingdom preparations that he's making. And he has all these different phases and steps that he's doing. That's what we should be thinking about. We should be thinking about the fact that, okay, we may not know the exact timing. We might not know the exact how. We might not understand everything that we see as we watch, because we're told to watch. But Yahuwah is working it out according to his plan, according to his timing, to fulfill his purpose. And his purpose is the gospel of the kingdom, that his kingdom is going to come. It is going to put down all rebellion, put down all powers of darkness, all sin and evil and hatred and war and death and sickness and dying. It will end and Yahuwah's kingdom will prevail over all, and that all subjects in his kingdom will be blessed. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And they're all going to bow and recognize Yahuwah as king over all. And he, because he will desire the works of his hands, because he will want to dwell with us, he will come down and tabernacle with us. Okay? That is the kingdom message. That is what we are looking forward to. That is what we are a part of. But Yahuwah is working it out. He's, he's working it out, right? He was planning it from before the foundations of the world. He told the serpent about it in the Garden of Eden. He's been telling Abraham. He's telling Abraham's people. He's telling us it is the message. So Genesis 15, 18, it says, In the same day Yahuwah made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And he's telling them that all these other nations that are there, the Canaanites, the Cadmonites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and all of those are going to be replaced by Abraham's seed. Yahuwah was doing that. So he's going to make Abraham a father of many nations, and all the nations are going to be blessed. They're going to be given the land of Canaan. And we know in the history of the nation of Israel that these things did come to pass. Yahuwah did it. Yahuwah did it. So in the case of what? Sodom and Gomorrah, that happened. Time, time passed, right? Time passed. 
sin became great. Uh, it states that, that the cry from Sodom and Gomorrah reached to Yahuwah. This is in Genesis 18. He sent down two angels to, to check out what was going on, and it was so sinful. It was so terrible that what the angels ended up writing down fire and brimstone to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think I've seen on YouTube that they um, found a place that they think may have been a place that may have been destroyed with fire and brimstone. But we know, of course, that that place does exist because we believe that Yahuwah does what Yahuwah says he will do, and therefore it did happen, right? Right. So that, that happened. But in this case, he sent down two angels to do it, and it was done. So Isaac is born, Abraham's son, and then Yahuwah appears to Isaac, and he repeats it, um, this, this, this message that uh, he is going to be blessing uh, Isaac's seed, Abraham's seed, and so on. So we go on through Genesis, and we end up with, um, it's recorded in Genesis 26, 24, and Yahuwah appeared unto Isaac the same night and said, I am Elohim of Abraham, thy father, fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. So Yahuwah just continues to um, fulfill his promises. So this is what we are to see. So, um, of course, Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And then Yahuwah appeared to Jacob, as we well know. And he, it's recorded in Genesis 28. He said to Jacob, I am uh, Yahuwah Elohim of Abraham thy father, and the Elohim of Isaac, the land whereon thou um, liest. I will give it to the, you and your seed. And again, he repeated the promise, in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Yahuwah is faithful, and he continues to um, let his promise to Abraham be known, and the fact that he would fulfill this promise. So in Genesis 32, 28, we record that it is recorded for our knowledge and edification that Yahuwah changed Jacob's name to Israel, and that's where we end up with Israel, and then we have the 12 sons of Israel and everything. And now let's take a look at Joseph, the son, right? So we, we don't have time to go over all of that history, but we know the story. I used to love the Ten Commandments movie that would come on, right? I don't know if they showed it this time of year, a few months ago, a few months ahead, but the Ten Commandments movie, right? And we know that whole story of the Exodus and the parting of the Red Sea. We, would, we know that to be something that happened because Yahuwah has it recorded in his word for us. But Let's take the example of Joseph, right? Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and they did it because they <laughs> didn't like him very much, right? Joseph had dreams, and in these dreams, it could be interpreted that he was going to grow up and be a ruler over them. And, of course, the brothers also didn't like him because he seemed to be the favorite of the father. So, parents, you shouldn't have favorites, <laughs> right? But... In this case, Joseph was sold into slavery, right? Rather than be killed by his brothers, they sold him into slavery. So time goes on, and what happens? Yahuwah is working things out. Remember, Yahuwah already told Abraham that his descendants were going to be in a strange land for years, right? Serving, right? So he already knew what was happening. So Joseph ended up being able to what? Interpret the dreams of Pharaoh about the wheat stalks and the calves, the, 
the, the skinny calves and the fat calves, right? And it turned out that it was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And Joseph was there to give the Pharaoh this dream. And so uh, the Pharaoh made him second in command, right? So when famine came, and there were several times that the Israelites ended up going in Egypt, or Abraham went to Egypt for famine, I think, and Isaac then went for famine. And of course, um, we have here with Jacob and everybody, the whole, what 70 of them that were left or, or in existence at that time went into Egypt because of famine. But Yahuwah knew that he was going to use famine to take them there. They didn't know. So the brothers, you know, after their father died, they were afraid that Joseph was going to hurt them, right? We sold him into slavery, and there Joseph overheard him, and what did he say? He said, um, you know, you meant it for evil, but Yahuwah did it for good, right? So let me just get forward to that, because I'm going to skip some of these things, because I told you I have like 150 slides. I can't cover all of those, so we're just going to skip forward. But I want you to hear what Joseph said to his brothers. He's, when they were afraid that after their father, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, had died, that maybe Joseph would take vengeance on them. And Joseph said, um, he said to them, and this is Genesis 45, 7. He said, Elohim sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but Elohim. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. This is what he said to his brothers before the father died when he was telling them after he revealed himself that, um, you know, they didn't need to be upset. They didn't need to be angry um, that they had sold him that. Yahuwah was behind it all, and Yahuwah did it to preserve them. So he told them to haste and go get our father, bring him here. And then maybe maybe, maybe um, Jacob was having some reservations, but Elohim uh, came to him, and he said, I am the Almighty, the Elohim of your fathers. Fear not to go down to Egypt. This is what he told Israel. For I will... will Make thee a great nation, and that Joseph is basically going to put, put his hands on your eyes when you go to sleep. So he assured him that he should go ahead and go. But again, Yahuwah was behind it all. Yahuwah knew what he was doing, and he was he was just working out his plan, right? He's working out his plan. He's doing his kingdom preparations, and this is all just a part of that. So we end up with Israel before he dies. He blesses Ephraim and Manasseh, and he also talks about he tells them the seed is going to become a multitude of nations and so on. So that means what? Yahuwah's people who believe Yahuwah start to also speak truth into existence or they speak the truth of the coming kingdom, how the many families and seeds are going to be blessed and be a multitude of nations and so on and so forth. So this is what we're doing. We we have to speak about the gospel of the kingdom. When this gospel is preached throughout the earth, throughout the world, then the end shall come. So that's a part of what we can be doing, right? Preaching this gospel message that Yahuwah's kingdom is coming. So 
we're, we're, it's recorded in Genesis 49 that Jacob called the, the, his 12 sons together and said, come and let me tell you what's going to happen to you in the last days. And he called them and they were, these were the 12 tribes. So he blessed them all and their names are listed for us in the scriptures in terms of all the 12 tribes. So um, Joseph said to his brethren, this is after his father died, that he wanted them to um, basically... Um, well, let me just read this. Elohim will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So Joseph was a believer that Yahuwah would do what he wanted, he said he would do. So he's telling them that when they do that, that they should carry his bones, Joseph's bones, with them when they left Egypt. So Joseph died in Egypt, but he died believing that they would be leaving Egypt and he wanted his bones to go. And I don't know if any of you have said, um, said this, but um, seen this, but I saw something on YouTube a while back um, and I don't even remember much about it other than that some of the archeologists had found what they thought was a tomb in Egypt that looked like it might've been a tomb for a foreigner and that the body of the person that the tomb had been made for was missing, <laughs> okay? And so it seemed like, hey, this could have been Joseph's tomb. That's the way I was thinking in my mind, that there was a possibility. So we live in exciting times. A lot of the archeological findings are confirmations of things that have happened in the Bible, so that this is, again, just evidence that Yahuwah's word comes to pass, right? His word comes to pass. So the 12 tribes of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and so on, we've heard of those, and of course, Gad, Naphtali, and so on. So we've had um, the history of the Israelites, the kingdom of Israel, and the split became the kingdom of Israel and kingdom of Judah. They were taken into captivity, that kind of thing with, with Nebuchadnezzar and so on, and I didn't have that verse in there. But And of course, we know in these modern times, there is a, what, human nation called Israel, whether or not that is the nation of true Israelites or not, you know, we don't have to really worry about that. Yahuwah is going to take care of everything and his word will come to pass, right? And he says that he's going to gather his people from the four corners of the earth, right? And from various places. So um, I think I have a verse in here from one of the, one of the uh, scriptures about that. So we just have to know that um, Yahuwah is acting. So, so far, what am I saying to you? I am saying to you that Yahuwah is working out his plan here on earth. He is giving his servants information about what he will do, when he will do it, how he will do it. Well, not necessarily the dates, but the fact that it will happen. Like he told um, Abraham that they're going to be in this place serving these people for hundreds of years, right? And those of faith believe Yahuwah and we, what, live accordingly and we broadcast the message, right? And so that's what we are to do. We are to do it. So we come down now in Exodus, we're coming with Moses. So Yahuwah again, he's, he's marching his plan for it. So the people are in Egypt, they have to come out. They're gonna come out, right? He told them they're going to come out. He didn't say you were going to be there forever. It's going to be 400 years and you're coming out. So, um, <clears throat> Yahuwah, what? 
Moses is born. So we have an Exodus 3.1. And now Moses kept the flocks of Jethro. This is, he, he's grown up. He's been raised as a prince in Egypt. He's fled because of something he did. And so now Yahuwah is ready to appear to him. So it says, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of Elohim, even to Herod. And an angel of Yahuwah appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So Moses went to see what was happening. So we all know the story then. So I'm going to read this, and this is important, right, that we pay attention. Exodus 3, 6, moreover, it was said, uh, this is what was spoken to Moses. It said, I am the Elohim of thy father, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob, or the mighty one, right? And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon Elohim. And you have said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey and unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites. So in other words, who is going to deliver them from Egypt and take them into the land that he had previously prophesied to Abraham that he would give to his descendants and it would be theirs forever. So we read through this, and of course, the people come out of Egypt, and they end up with at Yahuwah's mountain. Now, I am going to read for you. Let me go back. Exodus 3.14, uh, when uh, he appeared to uh, Moses, he said, I am that I am, and Moses asked, who do you... Who shall I say when I go to tell the Pharaoh, let the people go, and I go tell the people that, you know, the mighty one of our fathers have come to deliver you? Who shall I say that you are? He said, I am that I am. Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Yes. And he said, moreover unto Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Yahuwah Almighty, or some people say Yahweh Almighty, but Yahuwah Almighty of our fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob have sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. And he says, go and gather the elders of Israel and say unto them, Yahuwah Almighty of your fathers. You know, have, have done this, they visited you. Egypt and so on. So we know that he comes out. They come out. But it wasn't with the Pharaoh just saying, okay, go ahead and go, right? Yahuwah had to take some actions. He had to send some plagues on Egypt. And again, we see that he used what? Nature, the elements. He used frogs. He turned the water to blood. He turned, um, you know, gave them darkness and other things that he did. Yahuwah can do whatever Yahuwah wants, however Yahuwah wants to do it. So he chose to do it this way. But Exodus 9 also records that he said to Pharaoh, and this is something for us to remember, I remember, and it makes sense. He says to Pharaoh, for this cause have I raised thee up for to show 
in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Hallelujah. Yes. So, hallelujah. Praise Yahuwah. So if he wants his name to be declared throughout the earth, why on earth would he not want us to know or use or call or praise his name? Why would there be so many uh, verses in scripture telling us to call on his name, to praise his name, to magnify his name, to worship his name, to, you know, if he doesn't want his name, no, you know, it doesn't make, well, praise you. We know his name and we are praising it and magnifying it. So, but again, as some say, the name is not just sounds. It also identifies what character and who it is that we're praising. So that's why I'm saying, what do we, what are we learning from reading these verses? We're learning that our mighty one, Yahuwah, is one of power. He can do what he says he will do. He can see the beginning from the end. He is faithful. He's trustworthy. He is true. He's consistent. He's not going to tell, he's not telling Abraham one thing. And then when Isaac comes along and said, my father told me that you said such a, oh, I don't remember that. You know, he didn't do that, right? I don't know what you're talking. No, he's not that mighty one. What he said to Abraham, he said to Isaac. What he said to Isaac, he said to Jacob. Okay, Joseph knew it. So what he has said, he says to us. And I'll also take, I don't have this verse in here, but I will remind us what we're told in scripture that with Yahuwah, a thousand years is as one day. So if we in human time, say from Adam up until now, if we're less than 7,000 years, right? Then we're less than what? Seven days. Surely our mighty one's word has to be good for more than seven days, right? right, right. <laughs> so I say that for those people who think, oh, that's Old Testament. That doesn't pertain to us. It's a short period of time. Oh, there's something else I forgot to say, too, that I wanted to point out. And I skipped because I was trying to save time. And I'm going to have to rush, rush, speed up. But I wanted to make this point is that Yahuwah can be trusted. See, after the flood, what we had was what? His covenant that he would no longer, he would never again store all life by water, by flood, by rain, right? And so the rainbow, right, was what he gave us to remind us of that covenant. So every time we look at a rainbow, we are reminded that he said he would no longer you know, flood the earth. So his promise is good from the flood up until now. So any other promises that he made after the flood are good up until now, right? So this idea that, oh, that's the Old Testament, that you don't want to pay attention to that, it doesn't make any sense. His word is good even until now. The other thing I say, that I and I don't have a verse here for this, but for those who say that, oh, that's Old Covenant, like right now, I've only been dealing with the Old Covenant, right? In, the sense, in their mind, right? It, or in some people's minds. I've only talked about Genesis and Exodus so far, right? I'm going to talk more about other things written before Yahuwah, Yahusha came. But the idea is, when you think about it, as I said last time, Yahusha quoted 
from the, those Old Testament scriptures. And the, the early disciples and apostles quoted from those, right? That's what they had. That was their word. They didn't have the letters that we have or compiled the way we do, right? They were being written at the time, perhaps. But that was their word. So let me speed up so we can get on further. But I wanted to make the point that Yahuwah is a mighty one who can be trusted. His word is good. He is a long-range planner. And he's on task. He's on schedule. He's doing what he wants to do, even if you and I may not understand it or, you know, we may not understand the timing. We don't understand why he's being so patient. He is patient. He is gracious. He's merciful. He's loving. And he's doing it properly because when his kingdom comes, there's not going to be any doubt. There's not going to be any doubt that his kingdom is the kingdom. His kingdom is the way to peace and prosperity and love and goodness forever. There's to be no doubt about that. So that's what he's doing. He's allowing all these failed experiments of men to go forward so that there's no, maybe if we'd done it this way. No, no, no. You did it. You tried it. When it was time for me to step in and say enough is enough is enough, I did and it's going to be my way from now on. So that's it. All right. So we, we go on. So we have Passover and the holy days and all of that. And who are bringing the people out and they are praising him. And we have all of that. You know, we end up with them at the, the sea and the people are, 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 are praising Yahuwah. And they're saying, you know, um, Exodus 15, 17, um, that, oh, Yahuwah, thou has made... Um, you know, the, the, thine inheritance in this place and in that sanctuary, oh, Yahuwah, your hands have made and Yahuwah, you shall reign forever and ever. So the Israelites are understanding this eternity. You know, this picture is extending beyond this. And, and why not? They just saw Yahuwah act mightily on their behalf. So this is, this is what I want us to understand too, that, you know, you have these, uh, 400 period year period of time or hundreds of year period of time the people are in Egypt so they've probably heard stories about Yahuwah right they've heard it but now when he brings them out in dramatic fashion for Egypt they see it they see it you know and they can worship they see him fighting they see what he does he see they see him drowning the Egyptians so it's similar to the end times right when Yahuwah comes and the day of Yahuwah is there that the Bible speaks about and many nations and people and kings are destroyed and put down, some of the survivors are going to be what? Converts to Yahuwah. Right? They're going to become believers because they see the great work of Yahuwah. Some of them, right? So so that's, that's a part of what we need realize too, that, that this is kind of like how things will be. <laughs> now we have Exodus 20. We have Yahuwah given his, his uh, commands and his laws. As we said, a government, a kingdom has laws. So the, the basic Ten Commandments given there, Exodus 20, Yahuwah's kingdom laws, right? Ones that we accept. And even the world accepts these, except they want to replace the fourth one, right? <laughs> right? I mean, really, 
thou shalt not kill. Nobody's arguing that, oh, that's old covenant. We can go out and kill as many people as we need life. Or if you refrain from killing, that means you're legalistic. And so let's go kill, 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 kill. So we're not legalistic. Nobody is saying that, right? But again, it is the deception of the enemy. These little half-truths, these little, what Eve fell prey to in the garden. We cannot do that. Yahuwah has given us his word. He's given us this for for our good, he loves us. So these Ten Commandments are part of our kingdom living, our kingdom life, right? We're not trying to earn salvation, but we are worshiping our king, trying to you know, be obedient to him and follow his ways and being a part of the kingdom of light as opposed to the kingdom of darkness. So we have all of this. We have the, the feast days and all of that given also in Leviticus 23. We, we know those very well, but those, and I won't spend time because I have 12 minutes left, so we got to move on. But the idea is, this is our king. This is our king. Worshiping our king in accordance with his ways and trusting him and following his commands and observing his holy days is a part of our kingdom culture. Right? Part of our kingdom culture. So we read in Deuteronomy um, the summary um, that he that they were given, the Israelites were given before they went into the promised land. They were told if they obey Yahuwah, they'll be blessed. If they disobey, they'll be cursed. And then in our modern day and time, there are some what dark folks, I say dark folks, right? <laughs> Who have come into the knowledge of themselves being Israelites. And it's, some of them have come to this wake up because they look at um, Deuteronomy 28 and they say, those prophecies are about us. They're about our experience. They're about what we went through. And, and that's kind of like their awakening. But the idea is Yahuwah's word is true. So let us say that they are correct and that this is a part of their experience in our recent modern times, right? What does that show? It shows again that Yahuwah's word is true and it endures. After all of these centuries, he spoke it back then through Moses and it has come to pass. So again, Yahuwah's word is true. His word is true. So he gives them the land under um, Joshua. They, you know, fight. They subdue the land. They go and they are successful. Yahuwah prevails. He works with them. So Psalms 103, Psalms 103, Psalms, when I was in college, I've said this before, Psalms 103 became my favorite Psalm. Okay. It just spoke volumes to me. It just spoke volumes to me. So I'm not going to go and read the whole thing to you, but I'm going to start with Psalms 103:19. It says, Yahuwah has prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. His kingdom rulers over all. Yahuwah is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. This is Psalms 103.8. So that's what I'm saying to you. Yahuwah allows sin. He allows kingdoms to come up and do evil. And he allows it until he decides he wants to intervene. So he's gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. Okay. But as it says in Psalms 103.9, he will not always chide, neither will his anger um, he keep it forever. So that is what we are to say. Now in First Chronicles, what do we read? First Chronicles 29, 11. This is written. Well, let's, let's say, I'll say starting in 10. So you'll know that David is saying. 
So it says, wherefore David blessed Yahuwah before all the congregation. This is the congregation of, of his kingdom. And David said, blessed be thou, O Yahuwah, almighty of Israel, our father, and forever and ever. Thine, O Yahuwah, is the greatness and the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and all that is in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Yahuwah, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor came of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our mighty one, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Hallelujah. So David recognized, King David recognized that Yahuwah's kingdom was to be exalted and he was to be over all and he was to reign over all and that as a result of that, we were all going to be blessed, right? And what's our best response? Let us praise Yahuwah. Let us praise his glorious name. So Psalms 103.22 says, Bless Yahuwah, all his works and all places of his dominion. Bless Yahuwah, O my soul. Bless Yahuwah. I love that. Psalm 103. So down through history, what, what do we see? Again, Yahuwah does what he does. and He uses who he wants to use. So it's recorded in scripture in Joshua that uh, he used Cyrus. Um, he used King Cyrus um, to you know, allow the people to go back. Um, And I may have put the wrong title on this, but uh, in any case, we have it in Ezra chapter one that he, Yahuwah stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, and he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom saying, Yahuwah, mighty one of heaven, hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So I'm just saying here that he even called Cyrus, the king of Persia, and let that king know that he was king over all and that he could act on behalf of Yahuwah. Now, in the book of Daniel, we have that, um, we have a, a kingdom prophecy. So now, now in the next few minutes, so not very many left, I'm just gonna quickly go through some of the, the prophecies. But in the book of Daniel, we know the story of the king Nebuchadnezzar seeing the giant, the gold head, you know, the silver chest and breast and all of that, the, the bronze thighs and so on and so forth. And what was Daniel able to do? Daniel was able to interpret the dream and to let Nebuchadnezzar know that um, there would be the kingdom of uh, the Most High reigning over all in the final days. So Daniel 2.44 says in those days, he's talking about these kings that the, the statue represented. He said, in those days, these kings shall be, um, shall the mighty one of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. So the kingdom, right, that is going to be set up by the mighty one of, of heaven, Yahuwah, almighty, is going to be forever and it's going to break all the other kingdoms in place. This was prophesied in Daniel. 
So in Daniel 4, 33, um, Nebuchadnezzar is saying unto his people. So again, Yahuwah is using a um, Gentile king to still sing his praises and to speak the truth of his everlasting kingdom. So Nebuchadnezzar says in his decree to his people, he says, uh, he's speaking of the, the mighty one of, of Daniel. He said, how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation unto generation. This is Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon speaking in, in behalf of uh, Yahuwah's kingdom being an everlasting kingdom. So Yahuwah was able to use Cyrus. He was able to use um, the king of Babylon. Now, Psalm 72, I didn't write it all here, but I read it again last night. And Psalm 72 seems to speak about Yahuwah's sovereign son coming. And um, the psalmist is saying how he is to reign and uh, what he is to do and how he is to be ruler over all. So one verse here, 72, 8 says, he shall have dominion from sea to sea and from river unto the ends of the earth. Okay, so that you can read that whole Psalms. But again, it's this idea of rulership, rulership over all from sea to sea and to the, the ends of the earth. So we've talked about Daniel. Now to this, just again, to show what, is happening, you know, after Nebuchadnezzar, you know, his son came on the throne. He did it, uh, you know, something that he shouldn't have done. And then what? The handwriting appeared on the wall, right? And Yahuwah said, um, when Daniel um, revealed it, he says, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Uh, so Yahuwah acted and he took the kingdom away from um, Belshazzar, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son, gave it to the the, the, the Persians, and that's again where um, we ended up um, there. But again, just showing that Yahuwah can intervene when he wants. And, and it says in that case, that very night after that prophecy was given, you know, the, this king was killed and the new kingdom came to power. So King Darius of the, of the, per, the uh, Persians are um, he made a decree. He said, in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble in fear before the mighty one of Daniel, for he is the living El and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. So again, a Gentile king declaring the fact that Yahuwah's kingdom would be forever and would not come to an end. In Numbers, um, there was a, um, a verse 24, 19. It says, out of Jacob uh, shall he come and shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. So this idea that a king is coming, um, a king is coming that's going to have dominion. So let me get down to Isaiah. Isaiah 9, you're probably all familiar with that, right? So let me start with Isaiah 9, 2. It says, the people walked in darkness and have seen a great light. They, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. So this is a prophecy about what would happen 
in the time of Yahuwah coming on the earth. But what is it written in Isaiah 9, 6? It says, speaking about Yahusha, which is yet to be born. For unto us a child is born, unto, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty El, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of Yahuwah of hosts will perform this. So again, Yahuwah will establish a kingdom, a government, a real government, a real kingdom that is to last forever and that will continue and that Yahuwah is going to sit in part on that throne. Yes. So, yes. And then, of course, you can read the whole of the book of Isaiah. I mean, the chapter of Isaiah 11 talks about the spirit of Yahuwah is going to rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might and knowledge and the fear of Yahuwah. And that he's going to be righteous and he shall judge. It says there shall be no hurt nor any destruction in all of his holy mountain. And um, in all of my affiliations, uh, previous feast affiliations, they would always read these verses. And in their minds, this was always talking about the future kingdom, beginning with the kingdom of in the millennia. And maybe after, but certainly the millennial kingdom, they read this. They said, and the bear and the cow shall feed. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the ass. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the, what, cockatrice den. So it's this idea that there will be peace and no, no hurt and harm. And it says, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the of Yahuwah and the the waters cover as the waters cover the sea. And I said to one person, and I, I was saying that it says that Yahuwah's name shall be, you know, on the earth as the waters cover the sea. Well, it didn't really say name here, did it? It said the knowledge of Yahuwah, though. So that to me includes his name, right? <laughs> but I, I always had that name in there. And he was like, there's no such verse in the scripture. But it's like the knowledge of Yahuwah shall, as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, there should be a what? A root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. And it shall, and it shall, and to it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. And it, hallelujah. And it shall come to pass that in that day that Yahuwah shall set his hand again and the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the Isles of the Sea. So kingdom ahead. So and many other people. And so you can finish reading Isaiah 20, 24 and, and Isaiah 26 and so forth. But what we're reading here, when we're reading, and there are some 
that uh, I haven't even read, but Isaiah 26, it says, the dead men shall live together with my dead body and they shall arise, awake and sing, you that dwell in the earth. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut the doors and hide thyselves. For in that, in that moment of, until the indignation be overpassed. So it, it, there is this, this, in these scriptures, there's a talk of what? The day of Yahuwah. The day of Yahuwah. And it shall come to pass in that day that Yahuwah shall punish the host of the high ones and on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall gather together as prisoners and shall gather in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. And after many days shall they be wasted. So is this idea that there is going to be judgment as well. It talks here in Isaiah 24, the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the when Yahuwah of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before the ancients gloriously. So it's this, when we read in Revelations, you're going to see that what? There's going to be what is termed the day of Yahuwah or, or what, what people say is the day of the Lord. There shall be this, some time of punishment, right? Of uh, of how he's going to have to subdue these kings of the earth. And then there will be some time of what, what I read about in Job, the change in the continents of the people, right? Because anybody that survives and enters the kingdom is going to be changed in their continents. They're going to have to accept Yahuwah's rulership. Isaiah 65, 17 says, for, for behold, I create what? New heavens and a new earth. And the formal shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So this is echoing what? Revelation. So again, Yahuwah has a plan. New heavens and new earth didn't pop up for the first time in, in the book of Revelations. Here it's mentioned in Isaiah 65, 17. Right? He says, behold, this is 65, 18. Behold, be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. Hallelujah. It says, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, nor in the is the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child should die in a hundred years old, and the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. So this idea of no more tears that we see in Revelations, again, not new for the first time. It's mentioned in Isaiah. Yahuwah has a long-range plan. Isaiah 66, 25, he says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith Yahuwah. Malachi 11 says, for from the rising of the sun, even until the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name. And a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathens, saith Yahuwah of hosts. So I'm saying what? The heathens must be converted to the truth of who Yahuwah is if they're going to be offering what? a pure offering, a great offering to his name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Malachi 1.14. 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 Malachi 1.
talks about the curse be the deceiver with hath in his flock a male and vowed and sacrificed on you who are corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith Yahuwah of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. So Yahuwah is going to be great over all. Haggai says, okay, in Haggai it is written, um, it says, uh, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Revelations talks about the shakings of the heavens and the earth, so much so that the people want to hide, right? Okay, and I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots. Sounds like something written in Revelations, if I remember correctly, right? And the chariots and that ride in them, and those that ride in them, horses and their riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother, okay, in that day. So there is this day that Yahuwah is going to do battle when he decides. Um, it says, um, Zephaniah talks about the day of Yahuwah is at hand. He says he's going to punish the princes and the king's children. So the kingdoms of this world, right, are going to become under the kingdom of Yahuwah. What does it say in Revelations? That Yahushua is going to come back as king of kings, lord of lords, and he's going to you know, rule over all. So this is in Zephaniah, the great day of Yahuwah is near. Now, I heard some talk about some of the people with money in this world, right? That maybe they're trying to get an island off by themselves or they're trying to dig some hideaway under the earth. And I saw something online that people were talking about these great big expensive hummers that they have, right? No one is going to be able to flee from Yahuwah's wrath when it comes. They're not going to be able to go far enough under the earth High enough in the heavens if they want to go to Mars, Yahuwah is going to be wherever they, you know, they want to go, right? Their hummers are not going to protect them. Here in Zephaniah 1.18, it says, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of Yahuwah's wrath. <laughs> okay, so it's not going to happen. Yahuwah is going to be king over all, and when he decides, he's going to, he's going to put in. He's going to do what he needs to do. But again, some of the people will be converted and um, they will come to know who Yahuwah is because Yahuwah is loving. So we've, we've had that in Zephaniah. We've read it, right? We've read it in, uh, in Lamentations. It talks about it. It says, O Yahuwah, um, thou remainest forever, thy throne from generation to generation. Joel talked about it. So Yahushua is going to return. And when he returns, um, you know, we already read about in, in um, we, we believe in the in Pentecost, we're, we're, we're um, celebrating the time that Joel spoke about, right? In the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He said it's going to show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke in the great and terrible day of Yahuwah. But he also has here what? In Joel 2.32, and it should come to pass that whoever should call on the name of Yahuwah shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. And Yahuwah hath said, and in the remnant uh, whom Yahuwah shall call, you know, he will deliver them. So 
this is what is there. I'll leave you to read Ezekiel 37. You know, we have that song, you know, about the bones coming together. Okay, but some believe that this is a, a, a of a time in the future when Yahuwah will be resurrecting um, humans to life uh, in preparation for his kingdom. Ezekiel 37, he talks about the fact that he was going to set a sanctuary in the midst of them forever. He says, my tabernacle shall be with them. Yea, I will be their mighty one and they shall be my people again. This is echoing revelations, right? So Yahuwah is a long-range planner. He says, and the heathen shall know that I, Yahuwah, do sanctify Israel, for my tabernacle shall be in the midst of them forever. All right, so let me just go on to the conclusion and say that we are citizens, servants, kings, and priests in Yahuwah's spiritual kingdom now. We will be citizens, servants, kings, and priests, and Yahuwah's all-encompassing spiritual and physical kingdom in the future. And again, we need to understand that and embrace our roles and just understand from this presentation, the main things that I want you to take away is that our mighty one, Yahuwah, is making kingdom preparations for us. And they have been, it's a long-range plan. And he's working it out and he's been foretelling it and he will bring it to pass. And just like jo jo Joseph and Abraham and Israel and other servants of Yahuwah believed him and broadcast the message to others, we are to do the same. We are to help to preach this kingdom message that those who think that, oh, it's just about the New Testament, it's not so. It's been there from the beginning. It is repeated. You, you see how many of the things that I, I didn't read all the scriptures that I had, but the ones that I read, what's echoed in these is what we read in Revelations, right? We read about him coming and the new heavens and the new earth. We read about that in Revelations, but it was in some of the other writings as well. So let's just take that message forward. And next time we'll be looking at the New Testament verses pertaining to the kingdom. So I say hallelujah. 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 Yahuwah is worthy of all praises. And so may Yahuwah bless us all with what we need, but especially knowledge, understanding, wisdom, truth, love, joy, and peace. And remember that we are Yahuwah's kingdom priests on oh, earth yeah. now. So we must be reflecting his light and bringing people into the knowledge of Yahuwah and his kingdom soon coming. So let us praise Yahuwah for his love, his goodness, and his kingdom preparations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you.